Continuing discussion of Neo-Krishna Consciousness. In relationship to the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, which he founded, which is his movement, Srila Prabhupada spoke of boiling the milk. It's an analogy. When milk is boiled down, it becomes thicker, more tasty, more nourishing, more difficult to digest. Not everyone can digest it. So Srila Prabhupada used this as an analogy that as a movement we should be more strict, our standards should be adhered to, or the, our standards, the standards that Srila Prabhupada gave, following from Shastra, following from what Rupa Goswami and the previous Acharyas have given. So boiling the milk means uh, rigidly following standards. Um, Srila Prabhupada is definitely very, very liberal in initiation standards and standards of uh, dress and allowing boys and girls to mix. In the beginning, he was very extraordinarily liberal, but later on he spoke of boiling the milk. He wanted the standards to be rigidly adhered to. I'm talking about neo-Krishna consciousness, what it was then and what it is now. Standards are down. Instead of boiling down the milk so that the water content becomes less, it's watered down. The standards are down or they're just plain changed. There's little talk even of rules and regulations which Srila Prabhupada emphasized so much. Again and again and again in Srila Prabhupada's letters, he emphasizes, see that all the devotees are chanting 16 rounds a day, rising early, attending the programs, reading the books. He emphasized it again and again and again. He said the, move, the movement's future is very bright if we maintain these standards, otherwise not. He said we'll be individually and as a society strong if we stick to this. Otherwise, we're in danger of fall down. Again and again, he emphasized it. But we de-emphasize it. When I say we, I'm talking about those who do so. For instance, chanting 16 rounds daily and attending Mongolati daily is no longer a must for temple leaders. Many years ago, and I, I happened to be in a temple and I saw the standards for the, for the devotees on the temple board. They had to attend Mongolati at least twice a week. But Srila Prabhupada's standard, especially for leaders who, who have to set the example, minimum, that's a standard for if you're going to be initiated. What's the meaning of being initiated if you don't chant 16 rounds daily? And why live in a temple and why uh, be a supposed, supposed to be a leader of a temple if you don't attend the temple program, the Mongolati daily? But the idea is there in the air that to be strict, is there's something wrong about it. It's like a pejorative term. Some years ago, an 
at the time aspiring disciple of mine told me that that uh, a certain guru in Iskon, a god brother of mine, had a, a, approached her and asked her, was she initiated? And then, is she aspiring to be initiated yet? And she said, yes, I'm aspiring from Bhakti because I said, oh, he's very strict, as if there's something wrong with that. And she said that, yes, that's why I want to take initiation from him. But it was, it was put out as a, as a uh, reason not to take initiation from me and to take initiation from him. That was where it was heading for. So strict has become a pejorative term with the attitude that rules... Don't, why, why be so obsessed with rules? It's not cool to be concerned about rules. Rules are for neophytes. It's external. And whatever rules are there, you can always find some excuse, usually with the time, place, and circumstance excuse to not follow them. Everything becomes... Time, place, and circumstance is meant for adjustments from the norm, but then if everything which is supposed to be the standard is adjusted in terms of time, place, and circumstance, then the standards are not standards anymore. There's some idea that there's something wrong with those who follow rules and that we don't need to follow them. It's, it's in your heart what matters, not what you do. That's Vivekananda's philosophy. Uh, it's, it's not what you eat. In other, in other words, he's saying it's okay to eat meat, but it's your consciousness that matters. So the less rules, the better. That's the idea. The low deity standards, and no one seems to care. The standards given by Srila Prabhupada are not standards anymore. Uh, deity worship should be done, including cooking, should be done by devotees who are Brahminically initiated, not only Brahminically initiated, but following Brahminical standards. Uh, that's no longer a rule, and we're most, it seems, most ISKCON temples, at least outside India, they, they have non-Brahmins worshipping, or at least cooking, and they say, well, we don't have enough Brahmins here. It's, we'd like to, but we don't have enough. So the standard is not, the standard given by Srila Prabhupada is that those who are worshipping deities must be Brahminically initiated. It's not a standard anymore. There's a new standard, a lower standard. So, well, at least they should be first initiated. In some places, they have uninitiated devotees. Worshipping the deities, they've just been around for two or three weeks. <clears throat> and say, well, we don't have anyone else to do it. And they, and they go on initiating more and more Brahmins with the hope they'll do a deity worship, and they don't do it either. So they, have, they may have dozens of Brahminically initiated devotees, and none of them want to do deity worship. Then why be Brahminically initiated at all? Is, is that supposed to be an impetus to serve Krishna? And then you don't serve Krishna. Eating kami food is normal even for leaders and even offering it to deities in temples. Uh, it's normal even for leaders. So you go to a leader's meeting and the catering is, uh, they, they bring in some, some items cooked by non-devotees. And some, yeah, even offering it to deities, things made by karmis. Chocolate is a must. Never mind that it's produced by 
child labor. It's full of dead bugs all ground up, but we must offer chocolate to Krishna because we love it so much. No tilak, even in the temple, come to the temple, don't wear tilak, don't wear devotional clothes, fancy hairstyles, both men and women. I'm saying this mostly in the West, but in India also I see the, the devotees playing the madanga with some t-shirt with some kami motive on it and some fancy hairstyle and beards, tattoos. Prabhupada didn't like beards, but who cares for him? No shika, even when offering arti in the temple. No need to wake up early, that's for neophytes. Really? Tables and chairs for eating, not on the floor. Well, yes. well, that's a small thing. Yeah, maybe a small thing. Not such a big thing, but it's different. <laughs> Drinking tea and coffee, many devotees, they, not, a, not a huge number, but there are many who say, well, it's kind of okay. And some places, especially I've heard in France, it's quite common even to take a little wine I've heard in America, it's very common for devotees, not those living in the temple, but of course the majority are outside, but it's quite common among those who identify themselves as devotees to smoke dope. It's not super widespread, but it's by no means unheard of. And then there are those, of course, who never even, they don't even think about observing Ikadashi or fasting on Janmashtami or Radhashtami. You don't believe that this, uh, the society is sinful and demoniac, more they want to adjust to it. And Kami music, Kami entertainment, Kami movies, Kami values, everything is okay. Don't say anything against homosexuals, transgender, divorce, abortion, all these things because, well, why because? Just don't do it, that's all. There's, there's no sense of, of mission, of Srila Prabhupada's mission of changing the world. It's more like we have to fit into the world. We'll do our Krishna consciousness and we'll fit into the world. And, and that Varnashram Dharma, maybe never heard of it. If you don't read Prabhupada's books, no one talks about it and no one wants to talk about it. So the, the Varnashram Dharma with Srila Prabhupada talked about so much, and Shastra is just full of it. And no one wants even to hear about it. And, and in, instead of offering, offering an alternative to the insane demoniac society, or at least run by demons, we're adjusting ourselves to fit into it in some small corner. This will all lead to Atheism, if, if we don't have any standards and we want to fit into the Kami society, then why bother with Krishna consciousness at all? Why, to, why have Krishna consciousness? If we want to have sense gratification and we don't want to repeat what Prabhupada says, then why bother with Krishna consciousness at all? Tolerate everything, don't criticize anyone, relax, don't be uptight, be nice, smile, don't be judgmental, blah, 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 blah. But we have to say what Prabhupada says, as Shastra says, and all the Acharyas say, and it's a heavy message. 
The message of give up sense gratification, surrender to Krishna. Everything in this material world is, is against our spiritual need. But this idea of tolerate everything, don't criticize anyone, except you shouldn't criticize anyone. We hear this, but you should criticize those who follow seriously and you must and who want to actually bring in Srila Prabhupada's Van Ashram initiative, who want to uh, introduce it. Uh, you must criticize them openly and as strongly as possible. Don't listen to anything they say, ban their books, insult them publicly, make propaganda and spread lies about them, do all politics against them. And if it's pointed out that these things are in the scripture, about Varnashram and gender roles and all these kinds of things. Well, you, then you say, well, we don't accept that part of Scripture. We don't accept that part of Scripture if it doesn't fit our own ideas. Uh, it, it can't be correct. It must be wrong. And redefining the scriptural truths to accommodate contemporary culture. So we don't need Shastra. We... We believe in science. There's a certain initiating guru in Iskon who's very strong on well, we have to believe in science. So if the Shastra says things which don't fit with science, for instance, about the moon and evolution and gender roles, well, we believe science. We don't believe what Shastra and Prabhupada says. Then, then when we have no basis to preach Bhagavad Gita as it is, as we're supposed to, if we don't accept it as it is, sarva Arjuna says to Krishna, I accept everything you say is true. Do we believe it? We don't believe what Prabhupada says if we don't like what he says. And again, that same guru who I just referred to seems to have as the greatest delight in his life pointing out and making scholarly analyses of things that Srila Prabhupada said, which he says is wrong. Well, he's wrong, <laughs> even without scholarly analysis. Why should I listen to what he says? Listen to what Prabhupada says. There's even a book endorsed by a GBC and other leaders, a big book recently published. The, it's, the whole purpose of the book is to show that Prabhupada didn't know what he was talking about. This is... Horrible. No wonder we're observed increasingly by followers of Shastra in India that we're not that we the ISKCON members are not concerned with scriptures or tradition. Another thing, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I don't like to say these things, but I wish I didn't have to say it. Someone should say it. Devotees, so many devotees are, material, are materialistic and it's, it's like a whole vector of our movement with this inordinate interest in mundane education, career, prestige, money, so much importance given to PhD. I hate the idea of Gurukul. Okay, Gurukul was a mess, no doubt. We did it not well at all. But it's given the idea, the very idea is given by Krishna, Brahmachari Guru Kule, Vasandanto Guru Hitam. It is given to us by Srila Prabhupada. 
Materialistic means the opposite of vairagya vidya, nija bhakti yoga, bhakti yoga with detachment, knowledge of Shastra. The spirit of renunciation and dedication is much diminished. One temple leader in the West told me that they're getting people to join who refuse to do more than four hours a, a day service. I said, well, I did four. Four hours is plenty enough. What a, what a situation. Why, as Srila Prabhupada said, better to have a, well, it's a Bengali saying, better to have an, an empty cow shed than to have all sick and bad-tempered cows. Opposition to preaching Krishna consciousness straightforwardly. Opposition to and don't believe you can do it. They're very say, well, if you preach straightforwardly, if you if we actually say what's in Srila Prabhupada's books, then then it'll it'll it's wrong because people won't like it. And so there's no more referring to kamis, demons, social media has very much impacted our preaching style, the, the light-joking entertainment style for getting popularity to get as many hits as you can and the best preachers, those who are considered the best preachers, they're, yeah, there's some Krishna conscious and very entertainment style or catering to sense gratificatory desires for material success personality development, uh, how to live peacefully, and all this kind of thing. Preaching means, nowadays, indirect, so-called life coaching, motivational speaking, psychology, Ayurveda, hiding Krishna. <laughs> what... Uh, what are we doing? <laughs> Yoga, yoga is everywhere. Yoga, some yoga yeah, for health, if you need, you can do. I do a few stretches. Or if someone is by profession a yoga instructor, they can lead their clients toward Krishna. Very good, very nice. But it's not our thing as a movement. We are the Hare Krishna movement, and people should know that. We shouldn't have yoga studios at our risk on senders. Again, if a devotee householder for his living, he's a yoga, he or she or whatever is a yoga instructor. All right, but we are the Hare Krishna movement. We're not part of the new age scene. We, we shouldn't position ourselves as part of the new age scene catering to concerns for bodily and mental wellness. We may say, well, we also talk something little bit about Krishna and self-actualization, self-realization, but we need to shout it, that we have our spiritual need over and up, our bodily and mental needs that's peripheral. The real need is for Krishna, but Krishna is not prominent in our so-called preaching. 
we're absorbed into the new age self-help industry, how to be empathic, compassionate, new age platitudes, spiritualized, relaxation exercises, mindfulness, self-actualization and other new age drivel. What previously would be laughed at as nonsense, spoken by bogus gurus, we ourselves are talking. And it's worse cheating if we do it because we know, supposed to know what the real thing is. How about this? The light and radiance are in you. Happiness and peace are in you. Don't go running after it. Open to it right now, right where you are. It could be said by a supposedly ISKCON preacher, but it's actually from a book by Thomas Bien, and the name of the book is The Buddha's Way of Happiness, Healing Sorrow, Transforming Negative Emotion, and Finding Well-Being in the Present Moment. See, it's, it's, it's neo-Buddhism, and we are taking it and making our neo-Krishna conscious like neo-Buddhism. I say neo-Buddhism because this is not what the Buddha taught, and it's not what Krishna taught either. <clears throat> At the entrance to Bhaktivedanta Manor, last time I went there, it struck me. We used to have, a long time ago, when I joined, a big, on, this, on the wall there, as you enter on the left, nice pictures of Krishna and the Hare Krishna mantra written. Now we have a sign saying, living with gratitude, acting with compassion. Where's Krishna there? It could be any bogus New Age group has the same message. It's, it's vague, it's fluffy, it's nice, but there's no Krishna there. Some devotees think that this is the way to preach and to practice Krishna consciousness today. And you see, well, we have people coming. Well, maybe it is. Maybe, maybe it is the way to preach and practice Krishna consciousness. I don't think so. But you can't deny that it's different to what we directly got from Srila Prabhupada. And you can say, well, it, it attracts many people. But again, as I said in the last talk, it may attract many people. But to what? Newcomers might think that all this New Age claptrap mixed with chanting Hare Krishna is what the Hare Krishna movement is all about. It's a danger. There's, it's always a danger of, instead of giving what people need, which they don't want, there's always a danger of becoming what the public want us to be or they expect us to be seeing our robes, if we wear robes at all, uh, or if we're talking about some Eastern spirituality, they have certain expectations about us. But that doesn't mean we have to cater to what they think we should be, or what they want us to be, helping them to be a supposedly better person within the present context, rather than doing what we are meant to do, telling them that the present context 
society as it is today is not something that they should adjust to, not something that they need to just revamp their psyche a little bit, but you should recognize this present society, it's soul-destroying. And anyway, it's ludicrous to discuss, try to instruct people. They're talking about personality development, to instruct people how to be a better person when they don't understand what it means to be a person. All instruction, whatever you try to preach to people, it's meaningless unless you first of all understand you, who you are. And that is the first lesson of Bhagavad Gita. And that's the point that Srila Prabhupada, in his preaching, in the West especially, emphasized again and again and again. We're not this body. First of all, understand this. If you can't understand this, then you can't understand anything else. Now, it is a fact that our movement has got much improved acceptability than in the 1970s. One reason for that being that society itself is, has changed. Uh, nowadays, to be a monk, to be different, they talk about, what is it? In diversity, inclusi inclusivism. People are open to accept all different things. So we do have a much improved acceptability, which we probably wouldn't if we gave our message as it is more straightforwardly. So we do have improved acceptability, but it's had a terrible cost that we have changed to suit the public rather than vice versa, as Srila Prabhupada instructed. Srila Prabhupada said, we shouldn't change to suit the public, we should change the public to suit us. So by flirting with or embracing materialistic, non-Vedic, non-traditional culture, we run the very real risk of minimizing or losing our true spiritual goals. If we don't talk ab about surrendering to Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, or if we just hide it away, maybe we talk a little bit about it among ourselves. <laughs> Or if we try to incorporate so many things of this Malacca culture, where are we going? The golden age of the Sankirtan movement must surely be founded on Vedic culture, not Malacca culture, which is what the Western culture is. Now, that might hurt you, if you but it's a fact. The Western culture is just for Malachas. It's based on ignorance of the most basic spiritual fact that we're not the body. We're not the body, but we are attracted to bodies. That is the core of our incarceration in material existence. Pungsastriya mituni bhavametam tayoraho hridya grantimahuhu. The attraction between male and female is the basic it's the basic principle of material existence. And it makes a hard core on the heart. We used to talk much about the dangers of sexual attraction as we learned from Srila Prabhupada, who was always warning us in our liberal free sex society where anything goes, 
Srila Prabhupada again and again was telling us uh, that we, we have to reduce this fever of attraction between male and female. And what to speak nowadays, it's male to male, female to female, and all kinds of strange things and wrong things going on. But the principle of separation between the sexes, which is absolutely essential for any serious spiritual practitioners, and that's not, even if we take spiritual practice to mean different traditions, that's understood. You can't be spiritually advanced and be sexually promiscuous. But within our movement, the principle of separation between the sexes is much undermined, which if we believe Shastra, can only have disastrous consequences. The idea of women's shyness, as we learned from Srila Prabhupada, from Shastra, it's scoffed at, it's considered an anachronism, an embarrassment. Increasingly in our movement, women don't wear saris, they might wear gopi skirts, lehangas, or a Punjabi suit, or they don't tie their hair, or they have a single braid, or they, they don't cover their hair, there's no parting, or if they have a parting, it's not in the middle, no sindur if they're married. They don't like to be called matajis, they insist on being called prabhus. This, it, it's different, it's neo-Krishna consciousness, it's different from what we had before. Women leading kirtan and giving class, offering guru puja, even when sannyasis are present. It's different to what it used to be. And it's unsurprising that divorce in our movement is so common. When feminism is promoted as a GBC policy with affirmative action, although Srila Prabhupada was clearly against equal rights for women, in the 1970s, we couldn't have imagined women, Tamil presidents, or GBCs. It just wasn't the way that Srila Prabhupada did things. It was a male-dominated movement, and that is the way that Srila Prabhupada set it up from the beginning. He had reasons for that, uh, which he articulated. Nowadays, anyone who speaks against feminism in his school, and they're accused of being on the bodily platform. Well, was Srila Prabhupada on the bodily platform? They're overlooking Srila Prabhupada's policies in this regard and the reasons he gave for them. It's a big, big topic which I won't get into in this talk. I've covered it, covered it ex extensively in a book of mine called Mothers and Masters, which was banned by the GBC. This is the situation. Hare Krishna, there's always hope because Krishna is always the Supreme Personality of Godhead. There's great hope, but there's great danger also. And we shouldn't be oblivious to the dangers that are engulfing us. Vancha kalpa tarubhyas chakripa sindhubhya Patita Nam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha